0: This week, Sticks and Taxi. Webpack Labs CTAC. Public cloud is more secure. Uh, securing containers is a focus on applications. Vericode has some information about DevOps. Security Now Service Security Now ServiceNow launches trusted security circles. News from AWS, Rackspace, Risk IO, Flexera, and McAfee rounds out the enterprise security news this week. Mike Nichols, the director of products at Endgame, joins us for an interview. And we round things out by talking about Paul's, that's mine, IOC enchanting quadrants. All that and more on this edition of Enterprise Security Weekly. this is security weekly for security professionals by security professionals broadcasting live from g-unit studios in rhode island it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names it's enterprise security Weekly. was uh, the teleprompter now has artificial intelligence dug and
1: updates itself Uh
0: Uh, this week and talk about him as it
1: relates to enterprise security you're gonna do great <laughs> We're gonna, <you're> gonna. <laughs> I, I think that people think that you and I talk like every day at night you know yeah. it's like hey what are you doing it's kind of a bit of an exhausting week and I think that we noticed that a little bit in the uh, stories for this week as well
0: IT Pro TV is the resource to keep you and your IT team skills up to date. IT Pro TV's team solution provides group pricing and access to their supervisor portal. You'll gain full control over your team's training schedule, see individual and group analytics, and more. IT Pro TV does IT live every day, so you know you're getting the most current IT training. Go to itpro.tv forward slash enterprise security and use the code ES30 to try it free for seven days and receive 30% off your monthly membership. For the lifetime of your active subscription. To learn more about IT Pro TV's team solution, sign up for a free demo of their supervisor portal. Are you worried about PCI compliance? Does your development team understand or care about security? Are you ready to face a breach of your customer's sensitive data? See the worst that can happen before it does. Black Hills Information Security can help you help management see the future. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to find out how a web application penetration test can mitigate the risk before you go live. Welcome everyone to Enterprise Security Weekly. I'm your host Paul Asadorian. Always a pleasure to be here reporting on the Enterprise Security news and other topics. With me to do that is Mr. John Strand. John, welcome.
1: Hi everybody. Hey. What's going oh, on? Just happy to be here. No, just a good day. Good day.
0: It sure is. And we've got a fantastic show. First, though, make sure you visit our sponsor, ITProTV. That's right. You can use the discount code ES30 and receive 30% off your monthly active subscription. And you can sign up for the supervisor portal so that you can assign training modules to your employees and keep track of their progress. So make sure you do that with our fine friends at itpro.tv forward slash enterprise security. Uh, John, let's jump right into our uh, feature interview for this episode as Mike has been waiting patiently. Mike Nichols, the Director of Products at Endgame, joins us. Mike, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. It's really great to meet you.
0: It's nice to meet you as well. Uh, it, it must feel good to be in a space that has not not very much competition, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, we've discovered this new emerging technology called Endpoint Security, and we're really happy to be alone in the space here. Yes, yes. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, and of course... Green
2: fields, nothing
1: but green fields, (laughs) man.
0: It it is, of course, a very uh, crowded space. And, you know, being in the the product management side of the house, Mike, um, what are some of Endgame's, like, true differentiators uh, uh, that differentiate yourselves from the competition in this uh, EDR space?
2: Yeah the differentiators are hard to uh, quantify it at the when we get down to the weeds level we can definitely talk about how each piece is different but I like to talk you know at a higher level for your viewers and for people who are worried about you know why should I look at the, these guys versus a competition. There's sort of three main focuses that make us I think different and, uh, and we want to pull us in the first is really strategy. Uh, so you know, there's lots of different models out there that describe how you could layer your security uh, from the very, I would call it a broad but light Lockheed Martin cyber kill chain uh, to what we prefer, which is the much more in-depth uh, MITRE attack matrix. And from the beginning, when we first started, Yay! we built ourselves. Yeah. John, John's a big fan, yeah, and, and I both are
0: right. big fans Sorry. of the MITRE right. attack matrix. My yes. bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we are too. In fact, we just went through, uh, MITRE just tested us as the first vendor through their, uh, like, APT suite against the full attack, uh, you know, against the full matrix and rated us on how we could perform against the different stages. And we think that's, I mean, I'm encouraging every vendor to try to do that. We, uh, there's a lot of noise in the space where people say, you know, I can block all threats because they can stop malware. But, we, you know, we all know that's a joke. Uh, so the you know, what I like to see is that people get a little more, uh, let's say, open and a little more gutsy about proving their technology. Might is a great way to do that, you know, not just saying that you can stop exploits. Well, let's go through the depth of that uh, column and see how far you can actually go. Uh, so that's how we, that's how we started. It's how we built our research and development team. And we are focused on going against the entire, not just the breadth, but also we, we care about the depth of that
1: matrix, making sure we can
2: go, so, go as deep as possible and we're, we're open about gaps.
1: So I got a question for you. It's kind of, you kind of tangentially mentioned some vendors that we're aware of, but we're not going to mention them. <laughs> Right now, Um, do you guys have a practice of threatening to sue your customers who do research and find ways to bypass your product?
2: Yeah. uh yeah, no, we're a pretty open culture here. In fact, we don't know, not only do we encourage people to uh, help us understand where gaps are, uh, in particular, definitely, you know, think uh, that the authors of great tools like Nimi Cats are more than happy. Please help us understand how we can make our product better. That's what we look for. Uh, but uh, we also uh, give back a lot. We open source a lot of what we do. In fact, uh, just just this past big conference cycle, the B-Sides, Black Hat, DEF CON conference cycle, one of our malware researchers, uh, Hiram Anderson, actually put out some open source uh, code that actually you build a sort of a, an anti machine learning model it helps you make your model better by seeing how easy it is to uh, tailor malware to get around machine learning and we like to contribute that things back to the community so people can actually realize that adversarial machine learning is real and that uh, you shouldn't accept the vendor who says they're perfect so we're pretty open about that
1: so about that what are what were some of the problems that you guys came up with with i don't know pure machine learning module models or artificial intelligence Uh, Well, one of
2: the first problems is, is looking at a new technology and thinking that it can solve the world. Uh, machine learning is fantastic and it does help us in a lot of areas, particularly around uh, file-based attack detections. We also apply some uh, machine learning and data science towards the the, app, the analyst problem, the skill set problem, uh, bringing natural language to help an analyst be able to ask a question and not learn some crazy syntax or get certified in endgame to use the product. But it's not the only solution, right? I mean, they, they, the reasons that old uh, tried and tricked technologies still exist because they are useful. So we believe, uh, you know, in the same way you layer the attack matrix, you, you should layer your technologies and machine learning is not the, the banner you wave that say that it stops everything. Machine learning is a new technology and we embrace it and we're very good at it. Uh, But uh, it's not the only technology we bring to bear. There's also the the understanding of the adversary, technique preventions and process
1: injection and, and exploitation and on and on. All right, so all joking aside, kind of putting facetiousness away, I think people understand who we're basically talking about here. But one of the questions I have for you is whenever we're doing tests for customers, it is very difficult for us at the end of that assessment, To talk about a technology that uses artificial intelligence or machine learning to enable an analyst to make better decisions um, compared Mm to somebody that says that they're doing all artificial intelligence all the time and it's magic and it's a silver bullet. And it becomes a really big education problem, right? Because on one side, you have a group of people that say that they have finally got the holy grail the silver bullet of computer security. On the other side, you've got a group of people that are saying, hey, security is hard, but we're going to come up with some technologies that'll use these same types of algorithms to make it a little bit less mm-hmm. hard. How, how do you actually sell that to management effectively?
2: <laughs> uh, you hit the nail on the head on, on a key problem. I think it's it's almost criminal uh, the way that some companies will outwardly almost, uh, I'll, let's say, bend the truth—not quite lie, but outwardly bend the truth—to to executives and get themselves. You know, any any meeting a, a CISO takes with a with a vendor is is expensive, right? It's a cost of their time. It's a cost of their team's time, especially when you move to no, evaluation. Can, so, so uh, good.
1: Remember, you can always lie just as long as you quote Gandhi. <laughs> um, if you quote yeah. Gandhi, you can get away with any lie you want.
2: Yeah, or, or or quote some. Uh, you you mentioned testing. Quote some tests that are still focused on sort of AV file-based problems, and say that oh, that's you all secure you now. Kidding me?
1: Yeah, yeah the NS. Uh, I'll have no problem calling out NSS Labs. <laughs> what a load of garbage that was.
2: John has some very strong feelings yeah,
0: that... about NSS Labs, not necessarily shared by the rest of us on the show. Maybe, perhaps, but John's not shy with his feelings for, for NSS Labs. Testing. The views
1: of John Strand are not necessarily the views of Security Weekly. But then again. <laughs> They might be.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. Sorry, Mike. Continue. Yeah. What
2: I would say about testing is that I, I think testing so far is it's useful in, in the fact that someone needs to start somewhere. So the tests we have at least give you a starting point. Where if you if you don't pass these, then you shouldn't even talk to the vendor in the first place. Uh, but again, going, not to keep uh, gloating on Miter, but this deeper matrix approach to testing a true attack across every stage is how I would like executives and, and their teams to start testing. Uh, but to your point of how do you sell that? I mean, what well, we would say again, we we bring again machine learning to the analyst problem, but we don't solve the people problem. In fact, I talk about the fact that we elevate an analyst, we don't replace an analyst. I think anybody who tells you they can replace or cut is is crazy. This is a very very difficult space. The domain is constantly changing. Uh, and to say that you can replace an analyst, I think is again, it's insulting to the uh, the the men and women that are in a profession right now, stopping the the true threats. So we talk about elevating and, and where it works. So we think that elevating analysts is making their time shorter. Uh, if I want to be able to figure out figure out how this attack happened and where else it is, I shouldn't have to know that the syntax is, you know, start dot process and there's an ampersand here and some quotes go here. I should just say, where did this come from? Like I would talk to a, you know, a person and get the data. But I still need to interpret the data. We can help with it. Uh, but we can't replace
0: it. Mike, along those lines, a, a question I think ties in is how do you, in, in your role, and you know, I've worked with uh, product managers in the past, how do you balance what customers want versus what you believe they need in the space of endpoint detection response? Uh,
2: the good thing is we have some strong sort of strategic leadership in the company. Uh, our CTO is uh, Jamie Butler, who you know, started at Mandiant, then went to FireEye, uh, and, and is now in
1: our company. Brings a yeah, lot so, of domain expertise uh, and also he has a little bit experience in like like rootkits and backdoors just yeah, a little just a little, a little bit yeah just some slight he may have experience. written yeah. he may have written the book on the topic but you know whatever
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i get to leverage uh you know guys like him to figure out you know the 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 piece of where is the market going that they're not expecting customers are always going to uh, ask for things that are useful. Uh, but a lot of times they're more reactive to their pain points is more so than reactive to the the new threats on the horizon. Most, uh, I'm sure you've seen this, right? Most companies that we're dealing with, uh, they're still battling threats from a few years ago, let alone what's sort of the newest uh, on the rise. Uh, you know, the, the, the prevalence of macro attacks now, the prevalence of in-memory only attacks, uh, we haven't found a lot of companies that are already focused on that. So they're more worried about how do I make file based attacks faster. Can you give me, you know, can you automatically extract the IOCs? Can you tell me where else this file is? Uh, And we can help with those features, but the really lean forward sort of strategic features come from uh, definitely from our leadership like our CTO and others. And then of course, you know, market analysis, uh, you know, and and I used to be a defender in the space. I was in a large government SOC for many years and army Intel. so, we, our whole team is sort of built from people who did this job and now are helping to build a product. We're not uh, just, you know, coming to build it without any understanding of the domain.
0: Now, Mike, the the inevitable question, you know, after customers ask, well, you know, how can you help me? And they ask for what John was speaking about for artificial intelligence that just does their job for them because they don't understand it and they just want it to be completely automated. Maybe they're asking for that. But the the kind of next line of questioning is how does EDR impact my performance and reliability of the host that I'm installing it on? And I'm sure it's not the first time you've been asked that question.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the positive thing is, I think, with the news cycle, as it has been for the past two years, the, they realize the impact of their reliability and their performance is much greater if they make their front page of the Wall Street Journal or if they uh, you know, have their whole systems locked up by ransomware. So there's been less of a uh, pushback on another agent. Mm-hmm. There is always the question, though, right? They're like, I have too many agents, and the yep. question always comes up of, can you help me replace? But they do understand, at least now— uh, I used to be in a, in a network in the network space for many years, and, and now it's much more understood that I have to have something on the endpoint. And it has to do more than just a black box. Tell me there's a problem. I have to allow my analysts to dig in and see, you know, where else this problem might have gone. How did this problem get here so I can stop the root cause? I don't just keep you know, playing whack-a-mole on the challenge, but actually stop the root cause of the problem. And so we're, we don't get pushback as much. It also helps that if I could pitch for a second, that we've developed our agent to be a single thing, it's a single agent, it runs very lightweight, it's only about 1.5% CPU usage on the endpoint. So that helps in the story to prove to them that we're not overwhelming and that we don't cause user impact. Uh, but the positive thing, well, and maybe it's not positive, but the shift of thinking of even the operations teams are now on board with more security focus, because security's made it up to the board, and they're getting pushed down from, uh, from on high. Interesting, interesting.
0: And when we talk about EDR, of course, we talk about uh, detection. Um, but a lot of vendors in the space are in the protection phase as well. Um, what do you do different in the the protection aspect of it?
2: Yeah, so yeah, we're we're there as well. And you're exactly right that even uh, even our sort of completely uh, EDR focused uh, uh, you know uh, testings that we're doing with customers. They still have a a set of samples they want us to prevent, especially when it comes to something like ransomware or mm-hmm. uh, or, or file base or file space attacks. Uh, one of the biggest things we've done from the beginning is uh, I hate to use the word gap, but the focus we've we've had is that. Um, again, most of the newest technologies, even the sort of buzzwords of the next gen AVs, are focused on file-based problems. And we're seeing a great trend where uh, many, many problems now are not file-based. They're, they might start with an initial, you know, doc or something that gets exploited, but then they live off the land with existing, uh, you know, tools that are on the OS, or they inject code in memory and live there. So our protection focus, although, you know, we're, we're pretty, you know, we're pretty kick-ass at the uh, on disk problem. In fact, we're, we're, uh, we're we're proving ourselves pretty well if you go check out VirusTotal total on how our model works there. But we also put a lot of focus on the next stage, right? What happens if it's in memory only? Can we stop that? We have a lot of protections around that piece. Uh, we've put some patented technology into exploitation to actually stop it as early as we can. Uh, and then across the rest of the kill chain, we look for credential theft. We look for privilege escalation. We look for the establishment of persistence, lateral movement discovery. You know, we're, we're looking at more Uh, at finding more. And if you want to flip the toggle to stop it, stopping more across that whole, uh, you know, again, the whole breadth of the attack matrix, not just one column and saying, Hey, we stopped files. So all of the threats must be, uh, must be contained.
1: Well, there was a great quote that, uh, that hit uh, last week on Twitter. I think it was Dan Kaminsky. Um, He said that amateurs talk about threats or amateurs talk about specific attacks and professionals talk about vectors. And that's one of the reasons why we're such huge fans of the MITRE framework. Instead of actually trying to talk about specific threat actors and what they do, how can we look at their methods and how they're actually doing exactly, like you said, the privilege escalation, lateral movement, in order to start detecting them? Because it's a much smaller universe of techniques that are currently being used rather than trying to identify all the different types of malware and the bad guys behind that malware.
2: You're exactly right. I think attribution, unfortunately, was one of those uh, fads that uh, push us down the wrong path in the industry, uh, you know, that as well as, you know, claiming that IOC searching was was quote unquote threat hunting. You know, now that we're, to your point, we realize that there's only, there's there's a finite no- amount of techniques that you can use to gain c- uh, control of an operating system. If we can monitor for those and provide access to be able to actually hunt for those things, uh, you reduce, you greatly reduce the attack surface and you don't have to worry about, is it APT you know, one, two, three, four? Ultimately, does that matter to the organization as much as it does that you stop the threat in the first place?
0: We also talk about response, Mike, and you know that's where the I hate to use the term, but the rubber meets the road, and where a lot of people struggle. Mm. Right? They're like, "Hey, I can detect all these things. I can even prevent all these things." But how do I get my SOC analyst to help respond? And then how do I escalate? Um, What What is the? And I I feel like people kind of don't incorporate that in their evaluation of technology and their overall strategy enough. In that. It's kind of similar when I used to work in vulnerability management. It was one thing that you go find all the vulnerabilities, but how do we get people to fix them? It's the same thing in this space. How do we get people to respond to the threat and then ultimately fix the problem? And you kind of suffer from the same issues in both of these different verticals in security. So how does Endgame help, Endgame help in that situation?
2: Yeah, I would agree with you that response is a hard thing to get companies to test, especially if they're outside of a lab environment. People. Have, have a lot of uh, tendencies to put to not want to impact endpoints, they'll find a problem and then they'll say it's somebody else's issue to go respond to. Uh, I mean, the good news for us is, you know, we started in the sort of hunt and IR space. We had to build a lot of responses and fast action sort of uh, pivots there in the beginning before we pulled ourselves into the, to the detection response and prevention side. And so, you know, the first thing is just guiding analysts to what they should do. So, of course, in the interface, if there's an alert that pops up, uh, we give you the the most likely next courses of action, whether it's a kill process or delete the register key or delete the file or whatever those things could be. Uh, but again, kind of focusing on the differentiation of us, how we focus more on the the attacks that are you know now more prevalent with the the rise of of in-memory problems. You know, another response action I think is is not as appreciated as it should be is things like suspending a thread. Uh, you know, we see, I mean, Drydex injected into Explorer and you have, uh, you know, Chinese APTs injecting into uh, SVC host. And, you know, if you go and just kill that process on a remediation action, you, you might blue screen the box. Mm-hmm. And if that box is processing transactions or has a customer database, it actually could be more expensive to the organization to bring that box down than it would be to let the adversary stay for another, you know, couple minutes while you figure it out.
1: So we have it as well. No, no, no. It's, it's, perfectly, it's perfectly cool <laughs> to kill the local security authority subsystem service. That's fine. Yeah.
2: No, no harm there. Kill, kill, yeah, kill a web server at a uh, at a company like Amazon or something, right? But the uh, you know when we suspend a thread, what we do is we you, know, you guys know this, but you, you pause that at the adversary's injection, but you let the process still run that retains the data, so that information is there, so we can then go retrieve the strings or actually dump that section of memory for our, our you know if they ha- if you have a serious IR person, they can dig in and figure out where that true problem is and get you know and I mean mem- memories I-, I love it. it's like the holy grail everything's on un- everything's free and clear I can see what the adversary is trying to do uh, so we try to do as much as we can to empower that later stage as well, that IR stage. Uh, and, you know, on top of all that, we just, you know, the, the typical, you know, make sure that our product is extremely sensible, full full open API, the data is completely open and available. We have tons of, of scripts that people have shared with us from our customer base that use, uh, you know, they've, in, they've incorporated open source tools like volatility. We've uh, we we've worked with Jared Atkinson to incorporate power forensics into our product as well through this. So the ability to extend ourselves to fit into your current IR workflow is, uh, is also a key piece of the product
0: yeah that was actually my next question along the lines of integrations where are the uh, best uh, success stories you've seen with the integrations uh, as I'm sure no one contacts you and says hey sh- can we integrate from from Vendorland?" Uh, <laughs> I know that's a daily struggle for product managers uh, today but where are the yeah. success stories
2: yeah I mean I, the the ones I like are the ones that maybe aren't the the massive dollar success stories like like the power forensic story that's a I mean that the the fact that uh, that was written and the, the extensibility that that has to be able to be, be able to use you know in, as a module on top of PowerShell and the fact that we can roll that into our product so that a, a person can easily you know grab the shim cache or the MFT or whatever they need is really cool. But from a you know product standpoint, of course, ticketing ticketing systems are uh, tick, even higher than ticketing systems. But now these sort of IR guided systems, things mm-hmm. like resilience, uh, being able to integrate into those. To your point of uh, not again, not replacing an analyst, but helping them do better when they have a, a sort of a workbook built for a tier one or tier two. Being able to integrate our data into that so that they can then check check the box and say what's the next step is really important to our customer base. So we put a lot of emphasis into those things. So I would, I would, I guess personally think that uh, you know those types of workflow type integrations are the the most productive for our customers, and you know sims and you know on and on. But I think the the cool ones right now are those workflows and and sort of uh, guided systems.
1: So one of the things, I, I don't know if you have to leave right away, but I would love to get your impressions on the uh, Sticks and Taxi, uh, like the idea mm-hmm. of sharing cyber threat intelligence and Yara. I know you guys have had some blog posts in the past, and one of them that I loved is somebody who was talking in the industry about how you can do hunt teaming with Yara. And you guys had a series, I think it was a three-part series, and it was basically like, look, if you're trying to do hunt teaming and you're using like Sticks, Taxi, and Yara, then you're really not doing hunt teaming. And uh, I'd just like to get your whole opinion on the, like sticks, taxi, YARA, threat intelligence sharing. What it's supposed to look like? How do we do it? And how do we standardize?
2: Uh, well, I'll say the first part of, of how it works. I mean, I think IOC sharing and IOC uh, searching is a, it should be a key part of the SOC. Should be a key part of your security workflow. Uh, we, I, yeah, we don't think it's hunting. It's it's searching. Hunting is is finding that unknown thing, de- defining the IOCs, and then starting that process. So it, we like to talk a lot about. Discovering an IOC and then pushing it into that framework, it is crucial. Though you sh- you need to be able to pivot. You need to be able to say, I found a register key. Has, any- has anybody else ever you know uh, you know used this? I found an IP. Where else is that? So being able to pivot on IOCs is extremely important. Integrations with things like Six and Taxi, uh, we we use that in our product. To, for example, uh, you know, there's lots of big organizations as you know FSISAC, the EISAC, that use this data. So it's it behooves us and our customers to be able to incorporate that type of information. But I would. Caution any executive at calling that uh, protection or calling it hunting. Uh, it is more of it's more like searching and you know, driving, looking in the rearview mirror is a good analogy. Uh, you know, you it's I would call it necessary for your security organization, but not sufficient to solve the the threat, right? To solve the attack problem. Uh, yeah. As far as standardization. I, you know, I don't have a dog in the hunt on who we should choose, but we need a standard. I, you know, Six Taxi has proven itself to be a, a, a relatively good standard. Uh, I know there's others that are sort of vying out there, uh, and uh, I just think we need to pick one as an industry across the board and and uh, use that because that's the, the best way for us to share the intelligence across the, the, the entire base. Well, and
0: I think largely it's a perception thing, too, in the way you've described it, Mike, is it's more of a destination as a result of discovering IOCs. And I think where people use it wrong is they look at it in reverse. Like, oh, they should just – threat intelligence should just tell me that I have this problem yeah. in my network. And I'm like, uh, no, it doesn't work like that.
1: And I think that's yeah, fundamentally a lot of built socks. on that. Yeah, and I think it's fundamentally built on the belief that if you can enumerate all badness, you're not going to have to worry about badness anymore. And I I think that that's just incredibly problematic in the industry. You look at antivirus, it was blacklisted technologies. Firewalls, we were going to try to blacklist IP addresses at the edge of the networks. And now with this, we're continuing down this blacklist approach. While I agree, whenever you're looking at some things like ransomware, you want to see if it's on your network. Yeah, I can see the usefulness in that, but I don't think it's nearly as useful as being able to do a query across your entire environment, looking for anomalies um, within the consistency of all of your workstations across everything.
2: Yeah, and you, you know we've seen the and one thing we talk about is the the, the way that far faster than this dollar of, of sort of offense beating a dollar defense. The, the attacker has commoditized their their work so quickly. You look at Drydex, a, a consumer-focused banking attack where it used a brand new uh, injection technique, right? Atom bombing was only a proof of concept, never used in the wild. And then it hits that. that we used to never see that. That used to only be the the subject of the nation states. Uh, so to the point of stocks focusing on you know, years old technology, they're still looking at blacklisting of this, you know, set of problems, not realizing that polymorphism was, you know, it's been old for years. And, it, it, you mm-hmm. know, the hashes doesn't, doesn't matter. The hash is different every time. The IP domains, DIN, DNS, as long how long has that been around? So the, the, unfortunately, it's an educational part of our job of trying to talk to the, the security team, saying your program needs to elevate and move towards the, you know, the newer attacks that are actually maybe maybe a little bit old, uh, but also focus on the fact that, you know, these attacks that you have no way to stop now are now made its way to criminal the, the crimeware groups and they're going to be even more commoditized soon. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Mike, any uh, product news uh, from Endgame uh, that you'd like to tell our listeners about?
2: Well, uh, I think the most recent thing about Endgame is uh, that we are uh, – we just got some – it's funny because we just talked about it. But uh, it is important that we get through that. I mentioned earlier that testing is a key part of – of at least that initial gate of shouldn't. Should I look at these problems? So the sort of the biggest recent things we've done uh, is, you know, putting our model inside of virus total. So if you have a virus total intelligence account, or even if you don't, you can actually go look at, at how we rate a sample versus how, you know, I think it's 60 some other vendors are there rating samples. That's only one part of our product. It's only sort of file focused, but. It's interesting, it's a good way, I think, to initially vet uh, the vendors you wanna bring into your test. Uh, AV Comparatives is another testing organization that we recently went through and had a uh, you know, very high efficacy rate there of 99.5% and beat, uh, not naming vendors, but you can go look and beat out some other vendors in this space. Uh, but again, I think the biggest thing you're going to see from us very soon is now that we've been through this MITRE uh, uh, conversation, we want to actually publish. We're working with MITRE to put that out there in the world and, and kind of challenge other vendors to, to go against this as well. That it's not about the efficacy of how many files can you find that have, uh, that are in my malware trove, but it's more about when the attack takes place. You know, where, in, where inside of that chain of attacks are you actually able to stop and find the problem? And where do you have deficiencies in the ability to, to actually see this? So I think that next thing from us you're going to see is a lot of push on the MITRE attack matrix and this, uh, this round that we've been through, sort of the first vendor to go through their testing.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. We actually are doing a webcast uh, on that very topic with Mike. Um, We'll be talking about how to evaluate and test uh, EDR products and protection products on the endpoint. So look for that. Uh, If you're not already subscribed to the Security Weekly Insider, securityweekly.com forward slash insider. If you're on that mailing list, you'll get notifications about our webcasts. Mike, thank you so much for appearing on Enterprise Security Weekly.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: With that, we're going to take a short break. Come back and talk about the Enterprise Security News. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere.